Okay, so we are in week two of this series, which is called Strange Tales, because we are talking about the strangest tales of the Bible, just weird stories that happen. Last week, we talked about uh, Jacob, who was running through the desert with his family, running from Esau, but also looking for a life, looking to to find out who he is and all of these things. And his entire life had been based on running away. His entire life had been based on tricking to get what he wanted or what he thought he deserved, etc. And so God or an angel of God or a servant of God or something mysteriously comes up and starts wrestling with him. And it's like such a weird story. But the point was that he had to understand that he couldn't win every struggle on his own, that he had to rely on God, that he had to uh, truly start fresh. And so as part of that, God gave him a new name. He called him Israel. And so from there, he was able to start fresh. He still had issues in his life. He still had problems, but he was able to stop fleeing, stop running. And eventually, and this is cool, eventually him and Esau made up and they were able to uh, be close again in some way. And so this week we are talking about another one, which I actually uh, like even more as a weird story. And so this is Numbers 22, 1 through 6. You'll understand the title in just a second. Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, so he's the king, uh, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, the mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours grass in the field. So essentially the setup there is that Israel is coming through the promised land and the king of Moab is like, hey, we got to stop this. Uh, so Balak, the king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of ba- Beor, uh, who was living in his native land of Pethor, near the Euphrates River. His message said, look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. So the first kind of weird part of this is Balaam uh, is not really mentioned before this. And it's never really explained why he has this ability, why he is a prophet of God, why he has any relationship with God. Uh, Nobody really knows where he comes from in terms of this context. And so basically the king's like, hey, so the Israelites are coming and they're God's people, but I want you to come and stop them. I want you to curse them. I want you to be on my side. Uh, Now from here, uh, God spoke to Balaam, Balaam, uh, God spoke to Balaam frequently. And that was part of him being a prophet. Like he, they paid attention to each other. He listened to God. He did what he could to follow him, even though he wasn't in Israel at this point. And so God essentially says, hey, don't do this. Like, this is, these are my people. They're supposed to be here. Do not do this. And yet, uh, Balaam started going. Like, he gets up and leaves. And whatever his justification is, whatever his reasons, whatever he told himself, however he said it to himself, he got up and started going. And so that's where we get to his journey. And this is Numbers 22, 21 through 38. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent an angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls, When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, 
It lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the donkey again with his staff. So clearly we don't like Balaam very much right now. Balaam rejected God's voice. Now here he doesn't see the angel, but he has to understand that something weird is happening because this is his donkey. It's not like he went over to Donkey Mart and grabbed a donkey and was like, hey, let's go see what happens. This was his donkey, so he'd ridden it before. He'd gone with it before. And yet it kept turning away, and it turns away at weird intervals, and it turns away at crossroads, and it turns away at weird times, and it lays down. It has all this stuff that it had never done before. And yet he ignored it, and he continued to ignore what he knew was right. Now, it's easy to take this on its own and be like, well, he ignored the donkey. Big deal. It's an animal. Like, it's a donkey. What are you going to do? And yet, when you combine this with the fact that God literally told him, don't go. Like, it is not a good idea to go. It kind of is pretty easy to pick up that God is trying to do something here. And yet, he continued to ignore what he thought was right. One of the things that people, one of the things that I've said before is the first time you lie. Like, let's just say that you lie to your parents and you're like, hey, uh, I'm going to sneak out tonight and I'm going to lie and say that I went to do this or I'm going to lie and say I went to bed or whatever it is your lie is. The first time you lie, you feel guilty. You know that it's wrong and you feel bad about it. Maybe you confess, maybe you don't, but you really, really feel bad and you're always worried that you're going to get caught. And yet, if you don't, or even if you do sometimes, the second time you lie, it's a little bit easier. And then the third time you lie, it's a little bit easier. And this works with anything, with uh, stealing, with, with literally anything. Each time you do it, each time you go against what you know is right, it gets a little bit easier to go against what you know is right. Um, sometimes we have people around us who push us to do things that, that we know uh, isn't right. Sometimes we see other people, and maybe they're not even around us, but we see them having a happy time or a fun time or, or a, a, a wonderful relationship that we wish we had. And so we kind of lower our standards or we decide this or we decide this or we ignore this or we're like, hey, you know what? I had this idea for what I wanted for my future. I had this idea for what I wanted in a relationship. I had this idea for what I wanted for a life. And yet it's taken too long to get there. So I'm going to ignore what I think and I'm going to ignore what I, I know is right, and I'm just going to go forward. And that's kind of what Balaam is doing here. And God is showing that he will keep talking to us. And yet, the more we ignore him, the more we ignore our conscience, the more we ignore what we know is right, the easier it is to ignore him. So again, I've said this before, but a lot of people will say, you know what? This is a hard thing. Like being a Christian, it's hard. In high school, it's just, it's too hard. I'm going to wait till I get to college and then I'm really going to buckle down. I'm going to go to Campus Crusade and I'm really going to live for Christ. And then you get to college and you're like, ah, oh, that looks really fun over there and I don't really want to mess with church and anything. So I'm going to do what I want here. And then when I graduate, then I'm going to be an adult. Then I'll really, really live for him. And then you graduate and it's like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm working so much and I'm so tired and I just want to have fun and blow off steam and do what I want. And so when I get married, then I'll really buckle down. I'll find somebody that, that really matches my faith and I'll just really, really buckle down and go to church and everything will be awesome. And then you get married and you're like, ah, man, so many bills and it's so hard and, and we've got so much that we want to do and we want to travel and we want to do all this. And so we'll wait till we have a kid and we'll get the kid into church and they'll go to VBS and see cactuses and snakes and everything. And, and they'll just do all this fun stuff, and Ben will teach them games, and everything will just be awesome. And then you have a kid, and you're like, oh, man, this kid is tiring, and it always is awake, and it's always crying, and all of this stuff. And, and man, it's 15, and it's still crying. All, no. But it's like, I, this kid is just so tiring. We just want to, we, we don't want to mess with church. It's so tiring. The kid can go, whatever, but we're going to do whatever. We're just, forget it. And then you keep going and you keep going. There's always a reason. And so you can always put off getting right. You can always put off 
not living for him. But the longer you put it off, the longer you do what you know is wrong, the longer you don't listen to his voice, the longer you don't listen to his conscience, eventually you just stop caring. Because one of the things, um, one of the things that you've prob- maybe heard is there's sometimes talk about an unforgivable sin. And it's about uh, ignoring the Holy Spirit, basically. Uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes somebody will come to me, either a teen or an adult, and be like, am I doing this? Like, what is this? And first, if you ever are asking, am I blaspheming the Holy Spirit? You're not, because you clearly care about it. Uh, Second, what that means is it's kind of, so it's Jesus being smart, but also honest. Like he's saying, blaspheming the Holy Spirit means that you say no to him and you keep saying no to him, and you keep saying no to him, so you're never asking for repentance. And so he's basically saying the only unforgivable sin is not asking for forgiveness for sin. And so we think, well, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, but you don't know because the more you don't, the less you think about it. And then the less you think about it, eventually it just doesn't matter, and it's all over the place. And so again, that's what Balaam is doing. He is a man of God. He is following God, and yet he ignores God. And he ignores him here. And then the donkey goes a different way. And he's like, whatever, I'm just going to beat the donkey. And that's what it is. And then the donkey goes a different way. And he's like, this has to just be the donkey's fault. It's not mine because I'm awesome. And then he beats him. And then he lays down and all this stuff. And this is all God getting his attention. And you could still, like I said, say, oh, but it's a donkey. Like, why doesn't God be more direct? Well, here we go. Uh, Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Now you understand the title. Uh, what have I done to you that deserves your beating that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. Now before I go on, my favorite part of this story is that the donkey talks for the very first time, and Balaam responds as if it's not weird. And that is the strangest part of this story. I feel like uh, I love Stevie very much, my dog, and I she's smarter than any other dog and most humans. And so she's very sweet. And I feel like even as close as we are, and as long as I've had her, and as smart as I think she is, if I went home and she's like, hey, is it dinner yet? I'm not going to be like, hold on. I'm going to be like, what? Like, this is insane. And yet that's kind of crazy. And in a way, it shows that Balaam has still has strong faith in God because he's like, okay, this has to be God, I think. Uh, And so we go on to this. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Uh, It hurts to get outsmarted by a donkey, and he just did. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. So a bunch of things happen here. For one, Balaam realizes when the donkey talks that he just beat on an animal that is talking. So uh, hopefully you don't do anything bad to animals at all. But I would imagine if you do, and that, that animal starts talking and saying, hey, stop that, you're going to feel even worse for doing that. Now, this is hopefully not a surprise to you, but people do talk. And so sometimes we do bad things to people because it's online, or because it's anonymous, or because it's through somebody else, or because we don't like them. And it's like, big deal. But they can talk like a donkey. They can talk. And so doing bad things to them, even knowing that they are people, that sucks. And so that is not good. That's a hard line, I know. Um, but also what we see here is Balaam's eyes are open and he finally sees the angel of the Lord and he realizes he's been stupid and he realizes the donkey's smarter than him and he realizes that, that the donkey saved his life and all of these things. One of the biggest marks of who you are 
and everybody messes up and everybody makes the wrong decision at some point and everybody hurts somebody by accident or on purpose and then you regret it and you, again, like I've said before, you ask for forgiveness, you say I'm sorry and you move on from that. But everybody, nobody's perfect. But who you are when no one is watching, who you are when no one is around, who you are when the person that you look up to or the person that you base your faith around or the person that your teacher or your parent or whatever, who you are when they're not there, that's who you are. Now, you can change that and you can grow from that, but sometimes all of us have a different face in public or a different face for church or a different face for school or a different face for this set of friends or this set of friends or whatever. And yet, who we are when the, it's dark, when it's, nobody is around, when the people that, that are our conscience or help with our conscience are gone, that's who we are. Now, we can hopefully, like I said, change and move from that and learn from that, but it's still showing who we really are. Uh, it's not that hard to kind of fake being a good person around people that are good people. Uh, Jesus once said, you know, even murderers love the people that love them. Like, that's, that's not a hard thing. And so Balaam, again, when he didn't think anybody was looking, he's beating the donkey and he's ignoring him and he's ignoring God. And then he realizes an angel is there. And he realizes the donkey is there and he falls down and he's like, what am I doing? And sometimes it takes something like that for us to see what we're doing. It takes something like hitting rock bottom or hitting a donkey's bottom for us to see. Don't actually do that. Uh, for us to see who we really are. But again, and this is the most important part, it is never too late to change that. I do not care what your past is. God does not care what your past is. You can always do better. You can always grow. You can always change who you are. You can always be a better person. You can always get better. But you have to start doing it. Because the other thing, along with putting things off, along with everything else, is there are people, and I'm talking like older Christians sometimes, who say for their entire life, I'm going to improve on this. I'm going to get closer to Jesus. I'm going to do better. And they keep saying it, and they keep saying it because it's not quantifying it. Because you can always say, I'm going to do better. And so it's important once you realize that, once you've had that moment where the donkey talks to you, or you see the angel, or whatever, once you've had that moment that you're like, okay, I really got to do this. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because you're not going to be perfect. But it means you're going to realize, okay, I got to change this path. God is talking to me and he's telling me to do something. He's showing me who I am and who I can be. And so I'm going to follow him. And that's why this is such a cool story. Because it is the, it is the only place where a donkey teaches the lesson. It's kind of a slam on me accidentally. But it's the only place where a donkey talks and teaches the lesson. And it's so cool. And it's so weird that God spoke to him in that way. Because really, if Balaam is riding the donkey and he sees the angel himself... He's going to be like, whoa, I'm doing the wrong thing. But he had to see how low he would go first. Because God gave him opportunity to find out for himself. And he gave him another opportunity to find out for himself. And he gave him another opportunity to find out for himself. And finally, he's like, dude, you got to see this. And so he showed him. And he saw it. And then he showed him the angel. You see, he didn't show him the danger he was in first. He showed him through the donkey and through all these other things. Hey, you got to get right. And so finally he got right. And now we go to the next part. Uh, this is the angel. Why did you beat your donkey uh, those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. 
But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, uh, go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on his way, he went out to meet him uh, at a Moabite town on the Arnon River at the farthest border of the land. So he does show that he's learned because a lot of people, even after seeing this, even after having something amazing like this happen, maybe not a donkey talking, but like a, a close call or a rock bottom experience or something, sometimes people are still like, I, I do what I want. Like, yeah, this was a one-off thing. Like, this isn't something that happened. Uh, David, for example, who was a man after God's own heart, even after uh, he got in trouble by getting Bathsheba pregnant by cheating on, uh, having her cheat on his, his, her husband, like, he's still like, oh, she's pregnant. That's kind of a warning, but I'll just cover this up. Thank you. I'll just cover this up. So even David didn't quite follow it. Balaam at least is like, I've messed up. Like, I am sorry, I will go home. And then, you know, God has a different plan for him, and he listens to that. Because, again, he can be like, no, no, I'll go home. Like, you, I'm not good enough. Because we can also go too far the other way. We can be like, I am just not worth doing this. I keep messing up, and I keep screwing up, and I keep having to have this conversation, and I keep doing the same things, and I keep having to ask forgiveness for the same things. And so it's just, I give up. Everyone has issues of some sort. Whatever it is you struggle with, maybe you have other people in your life who they don't struggle with it. And so you're like, well, that's, I'm just, I'm alone. They struggle with something else. Like everybody has something. And so there's always something. Uh, I said something this morning. It's God, let's see if I can get it right. So God doesn't call qualified people. Like you're never going to fully feel ready. But he qualifies the people he calls, which means when he gives you a chance to get right, he's also going to help you. He's not going to say, hey, Cooper. Uh, I want you to go and be a better person, and I want you to help Seth, and I want you to just do a really good job here, and then I'll see you in two years. Like, he's going to go with him every step of the way. He's going to help him because that's who he is. That's what he does. That's how he helps us. Uh, last part of the scripture here. Uh, didn't I send you an urgent invitation? This is Balak. Uh, why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam. I wish their names weren't so close, but they are. Didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? So Balaam replied, look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. So again, this is where there's an old phrase, and I'm old, where the rubber hits the road. Um, so basically what that means is he has seen that what he did was wrong, and the path he was going was wrong. And he has seen what he needs to do to change. And he has said to God, I will change. But there still comes that moment where he has to change. So all of that is past. He's past the angel, the donkey's somewhere talking to some other donkeys or whatever. And he's in the court and the king is there. And this is where he can be like, ah, you know what? That was all a dream or hallucination. I do what I want now. But he learns it. And you see, sometimes we get it and we're like, I really need to do this. I shouldn't do that. I need to change. I need to be better. And then, you know, we, we move on. We get out of church or we get out of school or whatever. And then we're around different people. And we're like, ah, man. I can do what I want now. And we might feel bad about it, but still we kind of change. And so Balaam says, I can only do what God tells me. Uh, now, so we all have free will, and that's important. Uh, sometimes I think that people assume that God will tell you literally everything that you should do. Like, you should use this toothpaste, and you should throw this away, and this is how you should recycle or not recycle, or this is the shirt you should wear, etc. That's not how it works. Um, he does have a path and a plan for every single person, but it's not necessarily always this very narrow path. Uh, for example, I've talked before about my calling. 
Um, I believe that I was called into the ministry and I always was going to end up here, but there are other ways to do ministry. Like there are other ways that I could have fulfilled that and still followed him and still talked to him, uh, like counseling, etc. Like there's all these other different things. And so sometimes we make it so narrow and it's like, man, what if I choose the wrong college? Or what if I choose the wrong profession? He will help you and continue to see it. And so he'll put things in the path that are right and wrong, etc. And so it's not that narrow. It just comes down to, I trust God. And I'm going to do my best to follow him. And I'm going to do my best to listen to donkeys. And I'm going to do my best to pay attention to angels in the road. I'm going to do my best to do what is right, even if no one else is wrong. And I'm going to do my best. And that's what it comes down to. I'm going to do my best to listen, to follow, and to be like him. That's all I got.